Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm Josh Berdeski, I'm the editorial page editor with the San Antonio Express News. I have two really interesting guests today, David Robinson Jr. and Beto Gomez. Uh, uh, they're both with Urban Futures Lab, and we're here to talk about a really interesting op-ed project that we're launching that looks at South Texas's connection with Northern Mexico. We're calling it the South Texas Triangle or the South Triangle. And it's really trying to reorient, reorient our focus, right? As we look at how San Antonio fits in this this region, right? We, we spent a lot of time talking about San Antonio and Austin, that growing corridor. Obviously, it's super important. Yep. But if we look south, there are some compelling reasons to look at our connections there and where we might go. So um, Beto and David, thanks for joining us today. And why don't you just kind of set the table with why you want San Antonians and uh, people in South Texas to sort of look or, or think, think again about our connections to Monterrey, the valley and how to grow those and, and how those connections are formed. So, um, yeah, thank you for having us, Josh. I think um, it's important to recognize uh, the South region because of, you know, a variety of, of factors, right? But I think uh, one of the most important ones is the current change in trends from globalization to, you know, regionalism, which I think is something that is currently framing a lot of conversations that are happening you know, in the global scale. Uh, scale. And so um, San Antonio has historically been a city of confluence, right? You can go back in history and, you know, there's a spirit of the city that goes between the Mexican culture and the American culture, right? Between the United States and Mexico. And um, so this is a connection that is worth exploring. A lot of the conversation also right now in the media landscape goes about, you know, it goes, uh, follows the Texas Triangle. Right. And that's uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, that's Houston, that's Austin and San Antonio. But, um, you know, if you flip that, that 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 triangle, it goes to the south. Right. And so that's kind of what we're talking about right here. The South Texas Triangle connecting San Antonio and Monterrey. Right. David, you want to pick it up? Yeah. I mean, to the point of regionalism, I think that is one of the most interesting points of conversation out there right now. There's a huge global and, and macro shift away from globalism, which has ran the last 30, 40 years where you're looking at outsourced jobs, outsourced manufacturing, global supply lines. And that that has been a huge part of the rise of China and India and manufacturing in Asia in general. And um, in a lot of ways, the U.S. from a job perspective and and a lot of different ways has benefited, but uh, but also very much um, been hurt. You know, a lot of our local manufacturing. You look at the Rust Belt, and then you also look at a lot of the the ties to the South that have become maybe less important than in the past. Where you know, a lot of our fabric between Mexico, NAFTA, then to the larger Latin America have maybe not been as prioritized as the U.S. has been looking to build relationships with China and and cheaper labor sources there, cheaper material sources there. Um, and then, you know, really it feels like 
COVID has been this major shift um, and made everybody realize that one, you know, we've been pretty much assuming there'd be unlimited cheap debt and then also, you know, fuel prices uh, continuing to be cheap as well. And and both of those have have really, you know, been put into question as interest rates and material. People are actually realizing how much shipping and logistics costs. I mean, if, if, if anybody's gotten a Uber Eats order, all of a sudden you're realizing, oh, wow, you know, this, you know, it costs twenty dollars for you know uh, two burgers but then also it's another twenty five dollars to get it delivered and it's you know that's that person's time that's the fuel cost that's all the you know all the financing that uber raised to make that happen and you know they had been subsidizing those type of costs for a long time because money had been so cheap and now you're 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 not you're seeing that true cost and um, you see that across the board um, so now companies are really focusing and then the war in Ukraine and the questions around our relationship with China, those from a more of a, a national security and, and more like a trade route type questions is really thrown a huge wrench and a huge risk factor into the larger business and political environment. And so now you see a lot of focus on redeveloping those original supply routes and chains that had been very North and South American focused and a lot of manufacturing moving to Mexico, particularly Monterey, mm. um, the border region. And, and that's created a lot of, of interest. And, and, you know, it's not anything new. Um, I think one of the things that is very interesting is, you know, these things are much, this is much more of like an excavation project because all these relationships, all this region has been there. It's just people haven't necessarily been paying attention to it. Yeah. You know, I think that you ended there by saying people aren't paying attention to it or they haven't been. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that's really interesting, interesting to me about this project is there's so much discussion right now about San Antonio and Austin, mm -hmm. and it's the fastest growing corridor in the, in the nation. But these ties have been here for generations and, or, and, and there's been some political discussion about building connections, particularly with Monterey. And obviously a lot of people move from one city to the other. Uh, but how do you generate interest? How do you generate interest in having people look south? Right. And then also, how do you how do you broaden the discussion around the connections? So it's it's pretty easy to talk about trade. Yeah. Right. Everyone, NAFTA, USMCA and all the trucks that go mm -hmm. from Laredo up I-35. But there are many more connections, obviously, than, than simply trade, as important as that is. Yeah. So so I guess my questions are, how do you kind of turn people's heads and um, and and where do you see these connections uh, beyond uh, simply trade? Right. Well, you're right. You know, there's a lot of ways to look at this, um, right? Definitely trade is one. Another one is, you know, um, if you look at the infrastructure of uh, San Antonio, right? It's clear that it's very different, the south of San Antonio versus the north of San Antonio, right? And so if you extend that, um, that outlook to the border, you know, the RGV, for example, um, you'll notice that actually the south of San Antonio has more in common with the RGV than the north of San Antonio, right? So in terms of infrastructure, I think it's very clear. Um, also the language, right? It's known as Spanglish. And if you move south, you know, Spanish, Spanglish will be more heavy than if you start, look, you know, looking north. So that's also another component, right? But it goes beyond the border, you know, also on the Mexican side and all the way to Monterrey. 
there's a lot of similarities and a lot of cultural shared values between the south of San Antonio or San Antonio at large and the north of Mexico. And if you go to Mexico, it's funny because Monterrey has a lot, um, has mirrored a lot of the development in Texas. So in terms of urban infrastructure, it's also more similar to San Antonio or United States than the north of Mexico or the south, or, I mean, sorry, the central Mexico or the south of Mexico. So that's another, another, you know, angle that I think, um, you know, gets our attention to that, to that region, right? But another thing that is really important and just touching a little bit on trade is the fact that the Laredo's bridge right now is the most important bridge in the United States, um, in air, water, or land, right? More goods are crossing that, that border than anywhere else in the United States. And so that obviously brings our attention to an array of different opportunities, but also challenges, right? Because 17,000 trucks goes through that border. And, you know, those trucks just go all the way to Austin on the corridor I-35. And that presents, you know, a lot of challenges. And so we have to ask ourselves, how do we want to develop uh, this region so that it provides good quality of life for communities, right? And that's that's something that we have discussed a lot and definitely, you know, it's a very, very wide conversation. Um, moving on, right? Talk about culture, we talk about trade, um, we talk about language. Um, what would be another one, David? Well, I mean, identity at, at the core of, of what gets me excited about this project and a lot of the, the research and work that has been done through Urban Future Lab is, you know, it's an identity project. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we, we spent a couple of years wrestling about is, you know, how do you how do you have an honest conversation about a region? You know, who has the authority to talk about a region? It's so many different perspectives. Mm -hmm. There's so many different viewpoints. You know, who, how, where do you start that conversation? And so um, one thing that emerged in our conversations is it, need, it needs to be more of a kaleidoscope. It, it can't just be one top down narrative that gets forced because that's not not authentic. Um, but this op-ed project and and this format allows us to cur to to curate a a multitude of conversations that can paint a picture of something and and so from different perspectives and, and so that's what i'm excited you know as we walk through this series as we talk about right. you know different topics but also from different perspectives um hopefully that paints the picture of this complicated region and and that's what's going to get people to pay attention is to put a name behind something where, you know, the Texas Triangle, it, it has a brand. And it because of that, you know, people are able to identify the value, mm -hmm. be able to talk about it, write about it. Whereas South Texas and Northern Mexico, one of the uh, geographic features about our region is we're, we're, we're a frontier. We're kind of this borderland, no man's land, which gives us a very rich and dynamic culture, but also it's hard to pinpoint because we're kind of on the fringe of the United States, but then Northern Mexico is on the fringe of Mexico. You know, Mexico City is the cultural hub and, you know, this whole area, the whole reason, you know, the, the country of Mexico invited settlers from America is they were having trouble populating it. You know, this is, was the edge and this was the frontier. And they were like, you know, it was have, they were having trouble yeah. getting people to come here in the first place. And so I think because of that, we're this blend and we're this, you know, mix of things that hasn't ever 
you know, in a lot of ways hasn't gotten or we haven't we've had we've struggled to find that identity and clearly articulate that identity. And so through this project, we hope to better construct that identity so people can talk about it, so people can start to pay attention to it. And so it doesn't get left behind. I mean, one of the things right. in, in our data that that we really see is that, you know, especially when you look at lower income communities or communities of color, there are holes in data. And, you know, it, whether you look at credit scores or bank accounts or census tracts and, you know, people counted on the census, you know, the the established ways of collecting data often miss some of the people who are most um, vulnerable. And then as the people in Washington or people in Mexico City look to allocate resources, they don't have the complete picture of that data or a bank. If they're saying, where do I allocate capital and branches? And they look at deposit numbers and then they look at the South side and you know, don't see deposits, then they're going to look at right. you know, Stone Oak. And then, But that's not a factor of there's, you know, there, there could be money in that community, but maybe the culture is not put it in a bank. Maybe the culture is hold cash or do something different or send that money to relatives. And so there's not an actual, not an accurate, not an accurate reflection of reality. And so in South Texas, one thing we've noticed is there's a very big disconnect between perception and reality. And yeah. the perception is, you know, too poor, too minority, no value there. Why would I spend time there? Why would I grow my business there? Why would I invest there? Why would I want to go visit there? Versus the reality is it's it's an incredible place with incredible talent, incredible people, incredible opportunities. And so we want to we want to really shape that identity and help bring that conversation to front. Let me double click real quick, just an identity, right? Because when we talk about identity in, in the um, framework of the T Texas Triangle, right, of Texas in general, um, you know, Every like every large city in, in in Texas has an identity or is known for something, right? If you look at Dallas, um, that's finance center, right? If you look at Houston, it's energy. If you look at um, Austin, it's technology. And when you talk about San Antonio, it's it's you know undefined, right? It's unknown. Uh, you could talk about cybersecurity or military city, right? Or health, but you know depending on who you talk to, there'll be a different a different answer. So I think that's kind of you know, one of the main uh, reasons and the main points of why this op-ed, you know, is important is because we want to um, create a space for those conversations to to happen, right? From people who are experts in their field and who have something to say, but more importantly, who have a vision of what we could become in the near future. Because another very, very important uh, fact is that Texas is poised for growth in the next 30 to 40 uh, years, right? Uh, Texas has, um, in a way, energy security, it has uh, resource security, um, you know, in, in regional terms, it has a great outlook on the future. And so it is this time, I think, where young generations have to engage uh, in conversations with older generations and try to identify what are the common ground uh, that we have and what are some of the uh, traits that make us who we are as a city in order to define uh, you know, our, our next 30 to 40 years. And so I think that's the opportunity that we are uh, pursuing here. We really want to have those conversations and uh, get ideas from people who are at the forefront of different industries and, you know, to try to imagine and visualize what the future looks like for us in San Antonio. And at an individual level as well, I think, you know, both the pandemic, but also, um, you know, the rise of, of digital 
you know, digital infrastructure and the digital economy has created uh, an opportunity for people to move, you know, from the border to San Antonio or from Monterrey to San Antonio. So there's a lot more uh, movement of people, right? Myself, I'm from Brownsville, uh, Texas. I was born in Brownsville. I grew up in in a city in Mexico, in Tamaulipas, in Ciudad Victoria. But then I, you know, went to school as well in in the UTRGV, right? At the University of Texas Pan America, now UTRGV, and ended up in San Antonio. And that journey has been has been going on for years. A lot of people have have, have uh, gone through that journey. And so, in a way, we also want to create, um, you know, a vision that allows more people. Uh, to follow that journey so that more um, ideas can flourish uh, in both in San Antonio and the RGV um, and in Monterrey as well. So we want to create a collective vision for the for the region. And and it's not and it's yeah. not an either or. You know, when we talk about the Texas Triangle, like that is an incredible asset for San Antonio, yeah. for South Texas. Austin is incredible. The the growth that's happened there, the dynamism, um, the the brand, the global brand that Austin has built is is amazing. So, I don't think our position is you know we shouldn't pay attention to Austin. We shouldn't pay attention to well, yeah, definitely. the north. The, yeah. No, it's a huge asset. However, as we think to define ourselves in that Texas triangle, when you look at yeah. Austin. Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio. How does San Antonio relate to those cities? And in a lot of ways, we have struggled to find good answers. You know, yeah. as San Antonio companies look to grow in Austin, Austin's like, what do we need you for? You know, we're Austin. Who are you? And so, you know, that Texas Triangle, that that's a region of 18 mm. million people, incredibly dynamic. However, this South Triangle, this South Texas Triangle is is a region of 15 million people and has the potential to be incredibly dynamic, um, create a lot of socioeconomic mobility, and especially in a world yeah. that's asking for diversity, asking for you know people of color to find to find opportunity. This is where people of color are. You know, yeah. it's one of the most um, you know when you look at population growth, there's just huge, huge wave of of young people. When you look at the next generation of talent and America, it's going to be coming from places like South Texas. Um, and so if you're able to really foster that region, if we can put resources towards the South Texas region, all of a sudden Austin and San Antonio become the center or the nexus of a much larger region, more of an hourglass of 30 plus million people that could be incredibly dynamic, that could connect North and South America in a lot of ways that Miami's position themselves as this this connector city, this place of That's confluence right. where Latin American companies are headquartering in Miami to get access to North America. North American companies are are doing vice versa to get access. It's like, why is San Antonio not playing that role when you look at Central America, South America? That's a good question. You know, and, and I think, I hope that that sparks, I hope the op-ed project yeah. sparks more conversation around that. Yeah. You know, Beto, you're a tech entrepreneur um, and part of this op-ed project deals with tech and broadband infrastructure and also um, just a startup culture, right? So what does, um, you know, Austin obviously has a great reputation as a place for tech and right. startup and innovation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you look at the region, the South Texas Triangle region, so again, San Antonio, Monterrey, what exists here to support a tech startup culture and and what needs to build uh, and and you know is there a is there a mindset that crosses international borders uh, uh that to foster innovation uh you know uh, across tech and and um whatever should be developed along the lines of 
you know, uh, programming, AI, and, and so on. So what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, that's also something that uh, we've been looking at for quite some time. And me personally, I've had the opportunity to, um, you know, address that situation from, 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 from multiple perspectives. Um, but first of all, you know, I think the one of the, the opportunities here is that both on the Mexican side of, you know, of the border and on the U.S. side of the border in Texas, we have a young population, right? And so that's the first, uh, the first, um, you know, factor is that we have a young population that has a lot of potential um, to be turned into the workforce of tomorrow, you know, through proper investment and education to create all those opportunities for companies to, you know, have access to talent that can help them grow, right? Um, that brings us to broadband, right? And so in terms of broadband infrastructure, I think we're still, I mean, there's still a lot of work to do, but I know, um, you know, and one of the op-eds will talk about that, is that the RGV has been um, getting national grant, federal grants to invest in infrastructure. And so that's definitely creating some great success cases of um, small cities investing in digital infrastructure so that they can have um, more opportunities to prepare um, the, the youth, right, young people. And so that that's key. Now, in terms of specific examples as well of how uh, the region is uniting to create more opportunities, you know, you can look at Geekdom, for example, or the Alamo Angels. They've taken a very active uh, approach to building um, connections with, with the RGB, with Brownsville in particular, um, sharing resources and sharing knowledge. For example, I think they've opened a uh, an accelerator uh, program together to uh, provide support and training and access to a larger network, San Antonio and, and, and Austin as well, for entrepreneurs in the Valley, in Brownsville. And so um, activities like those or partnerships like those will create more opportunities for young people to uh, have the resources, uh, the necessary resources to be successful as a tech entrepreneur. Because um, when I started uh, my first company about five years ago here in San Antonio, it was very hard for us to um, get access to the resources that we needed, you know, in terms of talent, in terms of investment, in terms of support or knowledge as well, right? It's, it's a small ecosystem. And in order for us to get connected to a larger network, we will have to go to, um, you know, Austin or Houston or Dallas to be able to tap into, you know, a larger network. Now that's changing. Right. There's a lot of successful entrepreneurs and, you know, to to it's an, a good opportunity to highlight there's been very successful uh, entrepreneurs here in the city that have come from the RGV as well. Um, Float me, you know, they've, they've been a great success story. And the founder, uh, he's from from McAllen. Right. Um, there's other companies like that. And so, you know, also from that regional perspective that this is only going to make um uh, easier for entrepreneurs to, you know, to be successful. So I think that's been my experience. Um, you know, another, you know, just to add one more point is um, you could actually collaborate and find great talent in Monterrey, in the RGB. And now that remote work has been, you know, the new, the new law of the land, um, you could also tap into that potential uh, and those resources to, you know, to power your company. So there's a wide variety of elements that can support an entrepreneur starting, you know, uh, their own company at this time, just by focusing on this region. 
And and just also to add, you know, the cities, if you look at the last 10 years, you know, the cities that have really thrived as you know, entrepreneurial ecosystems, tech hubs have been those that have in, invested in being a great city. And, you know, that is really focused on urban amenities and urban lifestyle. Um, so if you look at Austin or San Francisco, New York, Miami, these are all places where people want to live. Um, and when you when you're trying to build a business, when tech entrepreneurs and and businesses are looking, especially in this post COVID world, it's all about talent and it's all about you know thinking about where does that talent want to be? How do I retain? How do I attract people back to the office? How do I you know build a corporate culture? And and that's going to be heavily driven by lifestyle, especially in a world where people can work from anywhere they want to with a computer. How do you even keep them in this country? You know and and so. San Antonio, I think, has done an amazing job um, going back to the days of Mayor Castro of really investing in our urban core, the Riverwalk, um, and the entire Riverwalk extension has been incredible. You know, the, what the Pearl has done, uh, the, that, I mean, that's what brought me back to San Antonio. I left here for, from call. I went to go to UT and then moved to New York City, and I never thought I'd come back to San Antonio. And it took, you know, coming back and visiting and seeing the Pearl, seeing what San Antonio could be and to even open that door for me to want to come back. And so, uh, you know, really, continuing to invest in that San Pedro Creek is amazing, but we're still in the early chapters of that. We need density up and activation around that Creek. Um, you know, the river walk, can we continue to double down? Can we figure out public transit? You know, I'm really hoping that, you know, VIA's new advanced rapid transit system can be a success to prove that, you know, San Antonio can have rapid transit and you don't have to have a car to live here. Mm -hmm. That would be an amazing proof point, but we need to start doing these things to become, you know, a competitive city for talent that could live anywhere. And and also for the rest of the, you know, Laredo is thinking about that Brownsville, you know, Elon Musk with grants right. of, I think it was $10 million to to beautify and grow the downtown. And, and you know, all the cities in the valley are, are thinking about this. How, how do we how do we activate our urban core to be attractive? Uh, because uh, talk about brain drain, you know, the, va the valley, Laredo, San Antonio, we've had incredible people grow up here. And the challenge has been, how do we retain them? How do we keep those folks here um, to continue doing great things here versus going to New York or London or San Francisco to, or Los Angeles because they think they have to. Yeah. Do you think, um, you know, do you think that San Antonio and, and has um, has I guess I guess the answer is already self evident given the op ed project. But has San Antonio um, successfully carved out a place as a, a leading uh, city for this region for um, a leading uh, like a destination for um, um, young Latinos in, in particular, obviously young people overall, but just looking at our demographics, young Latinos. Has, has San Antonio successfully? Um, marketed that or or, or or done that? Well, I mean, I think in terms of San Antonio being um, in a leadership position, I think that's an important aspect of, of this OPED. And in, in, in general, uh, an important aspect in the relationship between uh, the South region, right? The South Texas Triangle region. Talking with uh, colleagues and, you know, participants in the, in the OPED series uh, from Laredo, um, you know, they, they've, they've said that San Antonio has always been, you know, sort of 
quote unquote, uh, the leader of the region, right? And so it's important, San Antonio, to step up and, you know, advertise uh, itself as a city of opportunities for, for young people. Um, we definitely, I think that we need to do a better job, you know, in that regard. But um, I think it's doing a good job because there are success stories, like, like you, you know, like you pointed out, uh, this op-ed is, is, you know, one of those opportunities. Um, David mentioned, right, and, and we went over some of the success cases for entrepreneurs from the Valley that has mo have moved to, um, to San Antonio. And I think San Antonio is doing a better job retaining that talent, providing opportunities, getting them plugged in, which is one of the main, um, um, you know, the greatest opportunities in this city are um, related to how accessible people are, right? And that's, you know, kind of a trope for the city is like, we are a community, uh, it's easy to talk to people, you can get plugged in really quick. I think that's a very, very, um, you know, attractive proposition for people who are ambitious, who are driven by innovation, who want to create change in their communities, and San Antonio offers that. And I think that's a brand that we should export, um, you know, more actively to the South, you know, and become that city where if you have talent, if you have resources, um, you can come here and you'll find the support to, you know, grow your initiatives rather than having to find success or resources somewhere else, which I think has been the, the more, the clearest path for a lot of people. They come to San Antonio, they do, you know, one or two great things. Uh, they start their companies and then they follow the money or, you know, it's part of this. This is also something that has been uh, as a negotiation strategy by a lot of investors is like, well, you know, I'll invest you on, in you and your company, but you have to move, you know, to closer to where I am because investors are not moving to San Antonio. Not yet, but, you know, we want more of that. And that's what Alamo Angels, for example, is, is trying to do. Um, so I think San Antonio does provide a great platform for people who, you know, have, um, you know, they are eager to bring change and to improve their communities. Um, I think we're in a good path, but I think we should be more uh, more bullish on the idea and put a lot more resources behind it. Yeah, and, and I think we need to yeah. think really hard about what leadership means in this in this instance. And I think one thing, you know, San Antonio can't be in this solely for San Antonio. It needs to be a friend mm -hmm. to cities that maybe, you know, the, the city of San Antonio is not, you know, not the city, but just the larger, you know, San Antonio has not been as focused on building relationships with Valley or Laredo, maybe taking those built-in relationships for granted and focusing more on Austin or focusing on Dallas or New York, whatever that is, DC, you know, that's constantly cultivating these yeah. relationships to the North versus, you know, really focus, we need to build trust to the South showing we care about this region. We want everybody to be successful. Um, we want your cities, we want your areas to be, you know, it's abundance mindset, the rising tide raises all boats. And so I think we need to just really be thoughtful there. And, and that looks like San Antonio 
investing in these regions, in, in these cities, San Antonio being a political advocate in Austin saying, you know, Laredo is the biggest port in the country. We need resources there. We need to go to D.C. and advocate for resources for Laredo. You know, that helps Laredo. That helps San Antonio. Um, same thing with the valley. The whole border infrastructure is completely under equipped for the amount of traffic that it's going to be getting when we think about water or, you know, resiliency, Corpus Christi talking about, you know, water desalination plant. Like these are we need to we need to actively fight for the needs of the rest of the region and and truly be a leader, you know, than versus just looking out for ourselves. Sure. That's right. Well, you know, I think my last question is, you know, recognizing that every community is unique, right? Um, every every city, every town is its own special place and has its own local dynamics, right? But what do you think when you look at this region, what what is shared between you're talking about Monterrey, San Antonio, the Valley, Laredo, um, what did Corpus Christi, what did these communities share in common? Like, what are the, what are the things that, that are, are linking these communities that allow this flow of culture or goods, trade, ideas, infrastructure, talent, uh, what, what binds every, everybody together in, in the South Triangle? Right. Well, I think definitely, um, you know, DNA, Right. I think there is a, a number that uh, one in six Americans are genetically connected to Mexico. So if you think about, you know, where we are, that's probably a little bit higher. Right. I mean, in San Antonio, you have areas of the city that are known as, for example, uh, Sonterra is called Sonterrey. Right. You have a lot of people from Monterrey. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so I think demographically, you know, um, we there is a unity that you know, in, in terms of where we are and who we are that binds us and connect us. Um, so I think that's one. Another one is, you know, culturally, just uh, on Friday, I was at the Pearl and they had a wonderful um, event that was organized by the city and the, the foreign uh, relations department in Mexico. And they brought amazing, you know, um, dancers and conjuntos that showcase, you know, the the cultural heritage um, of, of the Mexican-American culture or the Mexican culture. And while I was looking at this, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, it's like, this is amazing. It's like, I won't get this in Austin. Those or Mexican Independence Day. Exactly, Mexican Independence Day. And, you know, it's like you could feel a little, a little piece of Mexico in this city, and that's shared across the city, you know, at large. And so I think that's another element that binds this, this, this region together, uh, that you could be in San Antonio, which is, you know, a good sized city. It has a great urban core and you can still feel like, you know, there is a tie with Mexico. Um, the same with, you know, industry. Well, we know trade connects, um, our region, the I-35 corridor is like the, you know, the spinal cord of, of trade between Mexico and, and the United States. And so that also connects us. Um, and, you know, in general, I think that's, those are some of the main components that binds us together, that adds flavor to who we are. And that, you know, we're a young, um, a young region that has a lot of potential to grow. And I think that's the exciting part of, you know, about it is like right now we're kind of 
still waking up to what's happening in the world. And, you know, we're finally, the, the history is aligning to serve us uh, for the next 30 to 40 years. And, you know, it's exciting to be in, in this position right now where a lot of things are, ha you know, can happen. Yeah, I mean, there's always the spurs, you know, so, um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the, you know, it's a this global shift and you know, I think nearshoring is is probably the most prominent aspect, but it's bigger than that. But this this global macro shift, you know, consolidating supply chains, the new renewed focus on kind of North America, Mexico is, I think, a once in a generation opportunity not just for San Antonio, but for everybody in the region. And, and I think it's something that people are aware of, but I hope that we all understand the gravity of, of what's happening and the amount of resources that are coming this way. And the question is just, you know, how are we going to grow? And I, I, I hope we grow well. You know, I hope we're thinking about sustainability and education and socioeconomic mobility. Um, and how do we, you know, how does our culture how do we respect and preserve our culture, but then also evolve with it? I think that's, you know, that's a question that San Antonio has always struggled with and we will continue to as, as a larger region. And, um, but it's, it's a big deal. You know, the amount of, of focus that nearshoring and this global shift is, is bringing, you know, just a, an incredible amount of, of resources to this area from Monterey all the way up. Um, to Laredo, San Antonio, Austin, and how do we organize around that? How do we plan effectively? How do we allocate resources in a responsible way um, to, to make the most of this opportunity? So I think everybody, and you know, Corpus Christi, Houston, those are gonna be major ports. I mean, they already are, Houston's a monster, but it's a huge opportunity for Corpus Christi. It's a huge opportunity for the Valley. Um, and so yeah. how, how, do we, you know, how do we all collectively organize to make the most of it? It seems like, you know, in a way we won the lottery and it's either, you know, we have to find out if we're going to be the ones that burn it like, you know, fast and ended up missing our, you know, our opportunity to make it big or we're smart and, you know, we make the right investments and we make sure that everyone's taken care of, you know, in terms of our communities. And so I think that's, that's the big question, right? You know, it's like, okay, now we're here. We have a great opportunity ahead of us. Um, what's it going to be, right? Like, what's the leadership? Of, of the cities uh, in the region thinking about and, you know, how can we come in and, and support those efforts? Um, yeah, I, I think those are all the big questions, right? And, you know, uh, folks watching, you know, uh, we're going to have commentaries on uh, trade, tech, economic development, uh, environmental concerns, innovation, uh, demographic change, a whole series of op-eds coming out uh, that will um, take on all these topics. And, you know, my thanks to Beto and David, uh, both for being here and, and really taking the lead on this, uh, reaching out to the writers and going over different drafts and fostering a, a what should be a really interesting conversation. So Absolutely. thanks to both yeah. of you. Thank you. Well, thank I mean, you, this Josh. Express News is an awesome platform to do this with, and we're excited. Awesome. Yeah, talking about, you know, opening up doors. Thank you, guys. Yeah. It's been really helpful. It's been awesome. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks.